As Catholics, the conversation on race is critically important to us and to our children, but many of us either feel excluded from taking part or simply unsure of how to begin. Today, I have a very special guest, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, here to talk about a Catholic approach to racism. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today I'm talking with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers about a Catholic approach to racism. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, known around the world as the dynamic deacon, is one of the most sought-after speakers in the church today. He is a powerful and passionate evangelist and preacher whose no-nonsense approach to living and proclaiming the Catholic faith will challenge and inspire all those who hear him. Deacon Harold holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Economics and Business Administration from the University of Notre Dame and a Master of Theological Studies degree from the University of Dallas. He co-hosts the national weekly broadcast, Living Stones, on Modern Day Radio. Deacon Harold has appeared in the major feature film, Power in My Hands, and is the creator of Walk by Faith Wednesday webinars, a weekly hour of Catholic catechesis and teaching. In addition, he is the host or co-host of several popular series on EWTN television and is featured on the renowned Chosen Faith Formation Program by Ascension Press. Deacon Harold is an award-winning author of many best-selling books and is a Benedictine Oblate of Mount Angel Abbey. He is also a member of the Fellowship of Catholic Scholars and the Confraternity of Catholic Clergy. You can find Deacon Harold Burke Sivers at deaconharold.com, just the way it sounds. And I am so excited to have you here today, Deacon Harold. Thank you so much for making the time. Well, thank you, Lisa. It's great to be with you and, and support the, the homeschooling community. Oh, gosh, we, we really appreciate you. Because one of the things I always love, because I've been quoting you for years to RCIA candidates and students uh, online and things like that, is that you you don't forget a sense of humor. You know, you often will help us to remember something by punctuating with humor, but it's a little hard on this topic. I'm going to guess there's not going to yeah. be a lot of levity because this is a kind of a hinge point in our society. And I was, and, and I think a lot of us aren't brought up knowing this. Our Catholic church until very recently had a lot of racist policies. It's sad to have to say that, but so true. Um, and so, yeah, we're gro slowly growing up in salvation history and learning to be more like Christ. So um, with things as divisive as they are right now, what are you finding is helpful for framing this topic so that it invites us all to, to the table? Well, Lisa, first of all, let me let me just say why I'm saying it's a Catholic approach to racism. You know, what's distinctive about the Catholic approach to this topic? And you know, for for a long time, Lisa, you know this, um the the church is being attacked, well not just the church, but Christian faith is being attacked by the culture. You know, they're trying to redefine marriage and redefine gender and and all these different things. And often, if if we're honest, uh, the church often, we often come from behind. You know, these things are being talked about. There may be a few bishops that speak out boldly, 
But where's the call to action? You know, the, the, the call to real movement, the call to, the, hey, let's stand together and, and, and stand up for what's right, you know, and speak the truth in love, right? Yeah. Ephesians 4.15. Uh, but often what happens is some law gets passed, some rule gets changed, and then we issue a statement. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. You know, with this topic, Lisa, for once, I believe that the church could actually take the lead in this issue. Because what it really is, is living out the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes in, uh, was part of the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Jesus has the Sermon on the Mount. And the Beatitudes were part of that. And here's an opportunity that the church can actually get in front of this issue. Yes, you, as you said, we made some mistakes in the past. There's no question about that. You know, the church was following Jim Crow laws in the church instead of following the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so we did make mistakes, but we can learn from those mistakes and move forward. And for once, I love this culture to say, you know what? Look what the Catholic Church is doing. We should follow their lead. You know, they're really, they really have something to say on this issue. You know, they have a, a wonderful approach. You know, that, that would be awesome. So that's why I think, especially in this very divisive, uh, this very um anxious. Uh, culture that we're living in, in society, a lot of the tension that we can cut through the tension with the the love of Christ and the gospel, and, and to proclaim those boldly and fearlessly. We just have to have the right language to speak it, and that's what I'm attempting to do here. Yeah, and I love that God is outside of time because we feel a little late to the party already, right? Uh, the the riots broke out a couple of summers ago, and it ignited conversations between friends that were painful. I know because I lived through some of those conversations, learning things I'd never heard before from some of my very closest friends. Really, that happened to you? People treat you that way? Why haven't we ever had this conversation before? And so even though our spiritual enemy led the conversation in a sense and did it badly, it it caused a lot of us to wake up to the need for the conversation. So I so appreciate what you're saying about us getting out ahead because it didn't take us forward largely, that conversation yeah. that happened. It didn't take us forward, but we can. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and what we're talking about here is really biblical. Uh the example I like to use is from the book of Numbers. You know, so in the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 12, right in the beginning, we see that Miriam and Aaron, so Aaron was the high priest, right? And Miriam was his wife. They spoke out against Moses, who was the leader of the people, because Moses married a, a Cushite woman. So Cush is modern day Ethiopia, okay? And, and so they spoke out against him. Uh, why did they do that? For a couple of reasons. One, remember, Israel was the chosen people. <laughs> They're the ones selected by God to be the witness and example of how to live with God, how to be in union with God, how to be in communion with God, to the example for the rest of the pagan nations that were all around them, right? Israel is supposed to witness to that. And, and so, therefore, you only uh, 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 pursued relationships and marriages within your own race, right? So, within, within the context of Israel. And the other thing, uh, that she was also Ethiopian, right? So, she was a different race, a color than, than the rest of them. So they got upset with Moses and they, they questioned his ability to lead the people. So what was God's response to this? So Moses comes out of the tent and remember that he often had the veil over his face because he shone with the brightness of God. And when that happened, Miriam, uh, Aaron's wife turned, uh, became leprous, 
right? As white as snow, as it says in the book of Numbers. And when Aaron turned toward Miriam, he saw that she was leprous. Uh, and now the kind of leprosy she had uh, was not Hansen's disease, as we think about it today, you know, where your like, fingers fall off and gangrene. This yeah. was more like a severe form of eczema, okay? Wow. And, and what did Aaron say? Oh, Lord, not God, but he's talking about, oh, my Lord, small L, talking to Moses, the leader of the people. Do not punish us because we have done foolishly and sinned. (sighs) So so the recognition that 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 attitude that they had was sinful, that the racist attitude they had was sinful. Now, the other thing we have to do very quickly is make a distinction between prejudice and racism because they're not the same thing. And they often get conflated and convoluted in the discussions that we have today. So we have to make a distinction. Here's the distinction. So prejudice with regard to race is a preconceived notion about someone that's not based on any factual or objective experience. Okay. So again, making a preconceived notion about someone without any facts or any subjective knowledge or experience that now prejudice Uh, Sorry, racism is prejudice, the definition I just stated, with the added piece that the reason why I believe this is because my race is superior to your race, and that's racism, okay? So let me give you an example. Uh, During a, a mission, parish mission last year, someone found out that I went to Notre Dame. So they came up to me, goes, oh, you went to Notre Dame? What position did you play? Now... A lot of people would hear something like that and say, oh my goodness, that was so racist. No, it wasn't racist. Why? Now, the reason why he said that, because he saw me, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a fairly guy. large guy, right? And so yeah. I looked like I could have played football at Notre Dame. But the fact is, I had an academic scholarship. In fact, I've never played football in my life. I mean, if you put pads on the floor, I have no idea what to do with them. <laughs> you <know>? so, <laughs> and so when he found that out, he was embarrassed. So what was he said? you know, uh, not very intelligent. Yes. Was it prejudice? Yes. Was it racist? No. Why isn't it racist? In order for that statement to be racist, he would have to have meant when he said it. The reason why I just said that to you is because I believe that people of color aren't intelligent enough to get into a school of that caliber. And the only way they can get into a school like that is with athletics. That would have been racist. Mm. You see, he's he's saying my race is superior to your race, but he didn't mean that. He just made a preconceived notion and assumption without knowing anything about me. That's prejudice. It's not racism. Yeah. Thank you. That's such a great example. It helps us to draw the distinction. There's a lot of difference in intention, perception, and and there's a dynamic when we seek to elevate ourselves by putting someone else down too, right? There's something something really malicious happening there. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is we... We all have prejudices of some sort. I remember um, when I first started traveling and I started going to the South and I figured, oh, all these people down here eat shrimp and grits because I've always heard people in the South, oh, they love their shrimp and grits. So I found out there were people who actually don't like shrimp and grits. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you liked, you know, again, that was a prejudice that I had because I thought that Southerners ate this type of food. And we all have those to some extent or another. But, But Lisa... Where did it come from? Because think about it. We're not born prejudiced or racist, right? I mean, think about it. Anecdotally, 
and parents can can relate to this. Little kids playing on a playground, right? Four year olds, five year olds, doesn't matter what race, color. They're just playing. They're just kids playing with each other. They don't care. They're you know you don't see a four year old saying, "I'm not going to play with you because you're Hispanic." I mean, you don't see that, right? No. So racism is learned behavior, and where do we learn it from? As we get older. We hear jokes. We're exposed to television. We're exposed to to the way people of different races are stereotyped, yeah. right? And not just people of color, like Irish are portrayed a certain way or Italians are portrayed a certain way. And because we see these images, we see these portrayals, and we don't have any subjective experience to balance that against, we think, oh, that just must be the way it is. You know, uh, like, wow, this, your five-year-old Asian daughter, she must be able to play piano like Mozart. You know, (laughs) where does that come? Where does that come from? It comes from images and stereotypes, even, even jokes. You know, I remember hearing jokes from some teachers at school uh, and, 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 you know, family members and things like that, that were, that were racist jokes. Right. And, And it wasn't meant to be vicious, but again, all of these things plant seeds in our minds. Right. And, yes. and, and so when we come across someone, we actually meet someone, we're not stopping to look at that person objectively and learning to get to know that person uh, and, and see them the way God sees them. Instead, we we draw from the stereotypes and we make assumptions about someone based on the, based on nothing else other than the often false ways that we've seen people of different races depicted. You know, and, and so we have to we have to unlearn that if racism or and prejudice is learned, then I propose that we can unlearn it. Mm. Oh, I love that. That just gave me the holy shivers. Um and and I wanted to just say too that as you were describing those false ideas that get absorbed, I was thinking the person that they're about is absorbing them too. That has got to have a destructive impact on the person being joked about. Oh, absolutely. Because th- you start to question your own dignity and self-worth at that point. Why do people see me this way? Maybe there's something about me that's the problem. You see, but that's completely wrong thinking. It- it's nothing wrong with you at all. It's the, it's the person, right? Uh, that- that's the issue. But-, mm-hmm. but-, but-, but if that happens to you over and over and over again, it becomes very hurtful. It can become very destructive. You know, um, because you you start to devalue your own worth, and you your your own dignity, your own identity becomes questioned because mm-hmm. people are questioning you when they sh- when they shouldn't be, you know. And, and and so the question is, Lisa, how do we break through this? How, how do we even begin to look at again how we can uh, uh, close the racial divide, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. bring and bring healing in the community. It you know we don't have to go very far. The Bible, page one, right? Book of Genesis. It, it says, Genesis one twenty seven says that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Now, look, we've all heard that. We, the homeschooling community, we teach our children that. But what does it really mean? Have we stopped to think about what those words actually mean? The word image is salem in Hebrew. It's, it's a masculine noun. It means a shadow. That's the outline or representation of the original. So if I'm standing in the light, I'm huh. casting a shadow. Is, is the shadow me? No, it's the image. It's the outline. It's the representation. Uh, it, it, it's the, it's the um, re- reflection of me, if you will. 
But yet, if I move, the shadow moves with me. Now, mm. what does that mean spiritually? Are we God? Hopefully, everybody said no, right? Because <laughs> if, if we didn't say no, we have issues. We have to have a whole nother talk here. You know? We're putting an emergency number on screen for you <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, of course, we're not God. But 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says we are partakers in the divine nature. That means we share God's life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, St. Paul says our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit that we have within us from God. Huh? Genesis 2, verse 9 says that God breathed into their nost his nostrils the breath of life. Nishmak rach kaim in Hebrew. Gorgeous mm. phrasing for God taking the very breath of his divine life and pouring that life into us. We're not God, but we have God's image, God's outline, right? God's shadow, if you will, imprinted onto our souls. So what does that mean spiritually? We were meant to reflect God's life. Before the fall, we were meant to reflect God's life. So what does that mean? So um, so when we think, we're supposed to be reflecting the thoughts of God. When we speak, we're supposed to be reflecting the speech of God. And when we love, we're reflecting the love of God. That's the idea of mm. what it means to be made in the image of God. What about likeness? Demuth, a feminine noun in Hebrew which means similar. But, but what does that mean spiritually? Okay, say that um, you, you have uh, a statue of me on one side and my son, Benjamin, on the other side of me. You would say that they both look like me. They're both in my likeness because they both look like me. In fact, the statue looks more like me than my son. But what does my son have that the statue doesn't have? Right, an essence, a nature, a spirit, a being, you know. Um, so even though the statue looks more like me, my son is much more in my likeness. Mm. See, that's the understanding of what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. And when we begin to see that image and likeness of God in the person standing in front of us, then we can start taking those huge, big first steps toward truly ameliorating. Uh, racism within ourselves first has to start with with myself, then with yeah. our then our church and in our society. And and who did this so beautifully? Saint Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa. Mm. Right. I mean, she she saw the value and the worth in people that society basically thought were garbage. You know, uh, people with uh, all kinds of horrific diseases. You know, uh, leprosy and. Uh, pleurisy and AIDS and all these kinds of things. These people were dying. And there was Mother Teresa, her nuns, reaching out and touching people with the hands of Christ, with the heart, loving them with the heart of Christ. So these people get to know and experience the love of God before they actually go to meet God when they die. That's that's where we need to get to. In fact, that's where we need to start from. Wow. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. And we will be right back with De Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and we're going to talk about how to get started making those changes. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. 
All right. We are back with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and we are talking about a Catholic approach to racism. And I'm so excited, so inspired. You're giving me the holy shivers all over the place. Um, what is it that we can do? What Can we do it in our daily lives, and our families? What's the starting point for us? I think we're all ears at this point. Yeah. So, um, again, I, prejudice and bias and racist ideologies um, create images and leave negative impressions on vulnerable minds and hearts, right? Especially our children, right? Yeah. So how, so some very simple things we can do, especially for the homeschooling community. Because obviously we're teaching our children about the saints, right? Yeah. And you talked about Father Tolton. How did I get to know who Father Tolton was? When I first introduced to him, I was in seventh grade. And now back when I was gr growing up, confirmations were done in seventh grade. And I remember Sister giving us the names of saints that we can consider confirmation names. And there were some amazing saints there, but none of them looked like me. So I thought, I wonder if there's any saints whose names I could consider for confirmation that actually look like me. So um, some of the, the, the uh, homeschooling moms may be too young to remember this, but there's a place called the library and it actually has these things called books <laughs> And you had to go to a card catalog. You had to search through the card catalog to find the book in the shelf. And so, and so I did that. And I was looking, and I accidentally came across Sister Carolyn Hemisat's book on Father Augustus Tolton. Right? It's called From Slave to Priest, which is a biography of Father Tolton. I said, "Oh, who's this guy?" So I pulled the book off the shelf and I looked through it, and I was like, "Wow!" And I obviously I couldn't use him because he's not a saint. But that was the first time that I was introduced to him and, and, and who he was. So I put the back uh, a book back on the shelf and I kept going. And um, so, so what what is something that could have been done in that instance? What about introducing our children to different saints of color? Like, for example, uh, Josephine Bakita, right? Saint mm -hmm. Juan Diego, Saint Martin de Porres, right? There's these amazing saints of color uh, so that these they're not, they're not just talking about St. Patrick and St. Boniface and St. I mean, you know, St. Faustina, all these amazing, wonderful saints, but that the, the saints come in all different colors, right? Yeah. <laughs> and all different sizes, all different, in all different ages, you know? So uh, something very, very simple like that, I think can, uh, can help. And I also think modeling the behavior for our children and for our students you know, um, we have to recognize those prejudices and biases and, and and maybe in some cases even racist attitudes within ourselves and help to uh, create and encourage uh, the uh, different types of behavior. You know, um, uh, so when we model what it looks like to, to see the image and likeness of God in another person, that our children will see that and begin to model that behavior. Okay, so that that's very important. And the other thing we have to stop stop doing is just turn off the television. You know, I, I often call television the idiot box. I think it makes people <laughs> stupid. You know, um, and, and, and so we got to stop supporting media outlets and organizations that create and encourage and perpetuate, you know, racist and, and prejudice attitudes and bias um, that propose um, violence and anarchy as solutions to problems. You know, and and, and the bullying and the jokes. Those things have to stop. And again, when we begin to to uh, to witness and be examples of that behavior to our children and model it for them, 
then they will see how they're actually, how Christ calls us to live. Not what society says. As St. Paul says, we have to put on the mind of Christ, right? So I think that's, that's a huge step forward. May I just, because so many of our Catholic families really honor and respect the spiritual headship of the father in the home. And for those of you listening for whom this is not a familiar concept, it's not about domination. It's not, you know, a command and control kind of thing. It's much more subtle and much, much sweeter than that, but it's also anointed anointed by God so that the impact that fathers can have in a special way to stand spiritually as protectors of their families under our patron of the church, St. Joseph. But I mean, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that we can stand against the spirit of racism under the precious blood of Christ what would you advise to our homeschooling dads who are listening or homeschooling moms or grandmas who may need to really support their husbands in seeing themselves in this role? Yeah, that that's that's a great point. You know, and and I and I hope when people hear you that they don't think that, you know, the husband is the boss of the family. Because if any man who thinks he's the boss, he's not very intelligent. Okay, that's 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 not the point. Um, in in Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-two, when it says, "Wives, be submissive to your husbands as to the Lord," the word there in Greek is hupotasso. Hupotasso. It's a military word. It's a word used by Roman soldiers to describe troops arranged in divisions that place themselves under the mission and direction of a leader who was typically a general, and so. St. Paul is saying, wives, place yourself under your husband's mission. What is his mission? Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ show his love for the church? He died for her. He gave his life for her. So what is St. Paul saying? Wife, wives, be submissive. Place yourselves, in other words, under your husband's mission, because his job is to serve, protect, and defend you and your children to die to himself to live for you that's his job so he's not the boss he's the head of the family because he's the chief servant of his wife and children jesus gives us the model i have not come to be served but to serve the greatest among you is the least is the servant of all that's the that's the key to understanding the, the the fatherhood of the family. Again, that he exercises the the parenting relationship along with his wife, of course, of course. But but he has that spiritual head, just like Joseph. I mean, think about it. <laughs> you have you have Jesus Christ, who is God. You have the 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 most amazing human being ever created without original sin, Mary and Joseph, who's who's a, who's a guy. But he was the head of that family, and Mary. And Jesus both placed themselves under the loving servant leadership of Joseph. See, Th- that's what we're talking about here. So you're right. So so men can therefore uh, help to model that behavior in a very powerful way for their children, you know, to witness the power of God's love, to, to be the ones when they, when they see something, when they see a certain behavior, they correct it immediately or they tell the child, you know what? No. You just saw this. You just witnessed this. That's racist, or you know, or, or that's prejudice, depending on the context. Yeah. But you know what? That's not who we are. We stand strong with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what society says. It matters what Jesus Christ says and, and the church that He gave us. That's what you know. To see, you know, imagine your child seeing his dad stand up strong in the face of adversity. That gives you the courage 
to pick up your cross and to follow Christ as well. Yeah. And and lest, you know, some men feel that there's too much vulnerability here for their liking, it there's only so much we can share in an age-appropriate way with our kids about what we're going through. But at the same time, when a child sees daddy fall to his knees to pray or to to stop and say with compassion, did you see that? That wounded the dignity of that other human being. Like just relating yes. to everybody with courage, with submission to God's ways. And and so by taking that role, I mean, even secular science shows us the impact of the father is huge on children and it's so attacked in our society. So I just wanna, uh, as we women come under the mission of our husbands, we bring out the best in them. And, we, and, and so we ignite the power of the family, the beauty that is in the family. So I don't wanna, I don't wanna take it too far in that direction and away from the steps what are some some other things that we can do or what things should we avoid doing that maybe, you know, are just kind of things we're not aware of that we may be doing? Yeah, something something uh very simple. Um introducing your children to different cultural foods. You know, in our parish, for example, we have Vietnamese community, we have uh, people from about six or seven different African countries, Ethiopia, uh uh Tanzania. Uh, Eritrea, you know, uh, and and uh, we have uh, Italians, we have all kinds of folks. And so one of the things that we did was a potluck and the people from the different cultural backgrounds brought their food and, and, and we shared a meal together. And some people tried foods they never had before for the, the first time. Wonderful. You know, the first time the Vietnamese ever a person ever tried something from Ethiopia. It was amazing. And the and the other thing we did during that meal, because think about it, when Jesus wanted to build community, what did he do? He always had a meal with them, right? Jesus, you know, he Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house to eat tonight. And we see Jesus in the context of a wedding feast and, and feasting and eating. And that's the way he built community. And he also shared during th- those those uh times that, that the food was being broken and given as well. He shared his life. And we so we also and mirroring that, we also had people during those potlucks get up and share their stories. Let me tell you what it's like being Vietnamese and coming to this country and trying to to live my Catholic faith here, to try wow. to keep my f- children in the Catholic church here. And so the Africans saying, wait a minute, I'm having the same struggles with my kids. My kid doesn't want to learn my to learn our traditional language. He just wants to speak American because he doesn't, he just wants to fit in with everybody, but he's losing all the rich cultural heritage. Yeah, I'm struggling with that too. Now you have a shared bond, you know, that that brings you together closer in Christ. You know, just simple little things like that. What are what are some things you can avoid? Uh definitely avoid using the word minority. Oh. Okay, that, that is a word that should never be used. Say people of color instead. Now, why do I say that? Think about this. In about 10 to 15 years, uh, Hispanic Catholics, most of those uh, from uh, uh, Mexico and Central or South America, are going to be the majority of Catholics in the United States. So that means that white Catholics are going to be the minority. Is that what you want to be called? (laughs) Yeah, neither do we. So stop it. You know, just say people of color instead, you know, like even like African-American, like I I was born in Barbados. I'm not African-American, but what's the PC term we have to use now? Because, because if you call me African-American, you're denying my Caribbean heritage. I mean, I was born there. I still speak our dialect. 
I still love our music. I still eat our food, you know. Um, but 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 by, by African American, where's my Caribbean heritage then? You know, wh- where's my uh, other people? Where's my where's my Cuban heritage? Where's my you know um, uh, Argentine heritage? You know, wh- where you don't want to lose that by by using politically correct terms. Just say black. That covers everybody, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and not and not be afraid and not be afraid to use those terms, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I don't. I don't like to use the word African American myself. I I rarely use it now. In my book on Father Tolton, it says the the slave that became the first African American priest. I wanted to say black priest, but it was the publisher. You know, so I, sometimes you don't uh, have control over those things. I know. Um, so that's that's a, that's another thing to avoid using the the, the, the term minority. Mm, thank you so much. That's a great way to think about it. Um, I loved what you said about the potluck, and we we just have a few minutes, and I want to make sure that we cover everything that you want to touch on today. But I was curious, I love, what other kinds of ways can we just engage in our communities, maybe homeschool co-ops or or in our yeah. parish communities? What be kinds of things that we could start to ask for or start to initiate? Yeah. So besides those simple things that I mentioned, the potluck, um, showing images and and talking about uh, saints of color. So introducing your children to the, the, the wide variety of saints that we have in the church. Um, there's a wonderful website, blackcatholichistory.com. Uh, I actually met the woman who started this site. Uh, I vetted it. Uh, it's also approved by uh, the U.S. bishops and, and stuff. So it, it's, it's a very good resource. Uh, again, blackcatholichistory.com is, is a wonderful resource that people can use. Um, also, I think there's some amazing documents written by the U.S. bishops. I think taking some of those documents, um, what we have seen and heard, you know, um, uh, and, and sitting down, having little study groups, you know, where, where you're going through the documents and saying, okay, what can we learn from this? How can we incorporate this better into our homeschooling community you know how what lessons can we teach our children from what the bishops are saying how how to address this issue you know i think all those are wonderful ways and very simple ways uh that we can begin to re- make a big difference because sometimes it's just the little things that often make the biggest difference and biggest change yeah so we have that we're made in the image and likeness of god that essence that shadow that uh, reflection of god we also have catholic saints and we have our understanding of the dignity of the human person um as we're just starting to wrap up is there anything else you want to leave us with to think about what is this catholic approach what's distinctive for us yeah so i want to close with the with just a little way to think about the uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? So Samaritans and Jews are supposed to hate each other, right? They're, they're not supposed to uh, even be near each other, right? Remember the woman at the well? You know, why are you asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? She says to Jesus, you're not even supposed to be talking with me. Never mind sharing the same vessels for getting a drink. So, so Jesus tells this parable to make a point. So here's this person walking along. Uh, the road, and he gets mugged. And uh, the the priest walks by and leaves him there. His Jewish brother, priest, walks by and leaves him. The Levite, who's the deacon, sad to say, (laughs) walks by and and, and leaves him there at the side of the road. But who comes? It's the Samaritan, the person he's supposed to hate, the person he's not supposed to associate with. That person has mercy, picks this gentleman up, 
takes him to the inn, you know, bathes his wounds, pays for his care, you know, and Jesus' point, you know, we hear that. We say, oh, if that was me, I would have done that. Really? What if that was a person who really hurt you? I mean, in a, in a, a, maybe they drove drunk and killed somebody that you love or something like that. What? Not so easy now, huh? Not so easy now. But that's Jesus' point, that in the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, we, we, we would want to say, you deserve it, you know, after what you did to me. But, but our Lord tells us that the Samaritan, in, in, a, in a way, exemplifies a whole new level of holiness, where God no longer requires us to be separated from each other. You know, but cause us to extend mercy to every single person that we meet and not to exclude anyone on grounds of color or or prejudice or bias, right? Um, our Lord gives us no other exceptions or no other options. If we are to defeat the evil of racial injustice, then we must always lead with love. We must be the Samaritan. Mm, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I love being able to talk about this with you. I love being able to be so inspired and informed by everything that you know. And I've got in the show notes this blackcatholichistory.com and the U.S. Bishop's letter, what we have seen and heard. And I'd love to have uh, other Catholics of all races start to have this conversation really throw things out there. What can we do? How can we make this much more of a healthy, beautiful Catholic conversation? And Deacon Harold Burke Sivers can't thank you enough. Everybody check him out at deaconharold.com. There's so much there uh, to enjoy and to be blessed by. Can't thank you enough for your time today and your love for the church. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be here and be part of the uh, podcast and to help support the homeschooling community. It's very important in the life of our church. Yeah, praise be to God and growing all the time. Everybody, thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time. Pray for us. We're praying for you too. God bless you. Bye-bye. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us. <laughs>